Hello and welcome to the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast, powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the table from my co-host, Kathy Waite. Hello, hello. Uh, our podcast is brought to you by our 2020 Base Builder Program, taking you through our annual off-season base training thought processes and training progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider by spring. You can join us in the actual training um, re- remotely via our remote Base Builder training program, or you can um, pick up one of our stock base builder plans that come in 12, 18, and 24-week durations, uh, high and low volume options, all available on training peaks, um, and really the main focus is building a strength and aerobic fitness base uh, for whatever cycling endeavors you're going to be engaged in for the coming season, so um, triathlon included. So check it out, um, base Let's see, our podcast listeners, we have a um, promo code, 25% off our stock Base Builder plans on Training Peaks. Base Builder, all capitals, number 25, Base Builder 25, is the discount code. And we have the link and the code in the show notes as well. So if you decide to jump on board and train with us, that would be awesome. And you can take advantage of that 25% discount code. So, um, Yeah, hi. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> Good. Um Looking forward to talking about this this topic. It'll be fun. We're going to touch on lifestyle improvements yeah, to help so, our performance. And um, yeah, it's always fun to share what we have learned over our, our forty plus years. And yeah, what, what were you going to say? Well, this is episode nineteen um, mm. of our of our show here. Um, and yeah, we're going to touch on what we've now called lifestyle improvements. When I originally set this up on a schedule. Um, um, the topic of idea was going to be kind of like dealing or negotiating or training through the holidays. And as we were brainstorming ideas, you know, what to sort of talk about, basically, it kind of rang a bell that it's like, these are all ideas, regardless of holidays, like just basic lifestyle improvements, potentially. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's kind of the angle we're going for. So, um, that's what we're going to be talking about, as well as Base Builder Week 16. So whether you're if you're following our 2020 remote Base Builder program, we're coming into Week 16, um, and we'll cover kind of the details of that, and then some things we've um, kind of picked up from people in our in-house training program. Because at Session 6 in Lakewood, Colorado, we have uh, about 40 athletes training with us, um, doing this exact program in-house with us, coaching them, and... Um, those of you following at home, we want to share the same sort of things we see and hear and talk about in class uh, with all of you. So we'll do that. Um, well, let's get we, started. Yeah, we usually start with what have we been up to. So why don't you start, Cody? Oh, um, so well, one big thing is for the next uh, week or slightly longer than a week till December fifteenth, um, our Cure Kit Store is open online. So if you're in the if you're shopping for a new chamois, a new cycling kit, um, jump on there. The links are in the show notes, cura.ch forward slash team shop. And um, we have some really cool stuff they put together for us with the weight endurance logo. And um, we have some really nice one-piece racing suits that um, might appeal to some people that are looking for that aero advantage. But then we also have some really nice, um, what I'm kind of excited to get are the sort of outer layer pieces that mm-hmm. they created. Um, the, the, the kit design is quite nice, I think. It's like a 
royalish blue, maybe slightly lighter than royal blue at the shoulders, and it fades down to black. So the bottom of the jersey is black, and the shorts are basically all black, which right, is, right. I think, kind of like a nice, practical. clean, practical look. Um, but the outerwear pieces, we decided to go like in basically an all-black design, mm-hmm. thinking like vests, wind jackets, thermal pieces um, are typically used in the winter, duh. But when it's winter, at least here in Colorado and places it snows, it's a little sloppy at times. So they'll kind of stay clean, cleaner, longer, wash maybe a little better, wash and wear better. Um, and also we want to maintain that black outerwear for the next several years for the foreseeable future so people can maybe feel comfortable investing in some of these higher end items and know that it'll match whatever sort of new kit we have each year mm-hmm. um, kind of going forward. So Yeah, well... Consider treating yourself to a new jersey and, and short because if you are a serious cyclist, you need several, in my opinion, several new kits a year um, just to be kind to your your private parts. And Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's true. The chamois bike shorts do wear out. Jerseys last pretty long. Well, but the armpits can start smelling. Well, they can start stinking, so, a lot of that technical fabric. Yeah. But, um, but chamois in, in particular, like, I mean... The foam density and th- and thickness of the the pad that you're sitting on does compress, and over time it loses its you know functionality mm-hmm. essentially, um, and then just doesn't absorb moisture as well, and all these things. And then obviously the stinkiness starts to creep in. Right. So right. you know they have a lifespan. If you ride a lot, like like myself, these the shorts at least for me are good for like one season. But I'm probably wearing the ones pair of the one set of shorts probably one at least once a week all year long because i'll have several pairs um and i do laundry about once a week so um it gets used quite a bit you know if you don't ride that much maybe you can get two years out of it but they do and they lose the the compression yeah i don't like when the shorts start sliding up my quads it really bugs me i like when they're fresh and new and tight and they're like squeezing and yeah. staying in place yeah and you'll really see that with people that hang on to their favorite pairs of shorts a little too long and they start to become a little transparent they lose yeah. that opaqueness yeah. <laughs> you can see butt cracks, <laughs> butt cracks while they're coming through riding and, in front of you exactly so so all that said you know consider investing um in the new kits that we've got going they're pretty cool Really great quality. We were really happy with uh, the Curie stuff from last year. And um, and lastly, kind of the big thing is all the proceeds that we hopefully generate from this will go directly to our We Development um, Junior Mountain Bike Team. So um, anything that we make, you know, above and beyond what Curie takes, um, we'll go right to them to help pay for entry fees and travel and uh, whatever training-related stuff we need um, to keep the kids going. So... Um, so you can kind of think of it as like you're sponsoring or investing in the, in the junior squad and, uh, and then getting yourself a new piece of uh, clothing along the way. So, yeah, we've been working on the, we development team quite a bit the last couple of weeks. Yeah. It's um, really coming together I, for 2020. We have 501c3 status for the team and that's been really helpful for gathering sponsorship money from different, different corporations yep. and really generous participants in our, um, in-house program have reached out and been a part of sponsoring on a cash basis. Yeah, the nonprofit That's thing has been really been, helpful. Been really big, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, getting, like you said, the sponsorships, and then you're working on some fundraising. Yeah, I, activities. For I the wanted future. to to kind of 
jump on board the the Giving Tuesday, and we we didn't get it pulled together in time for the National Giving Tuesday this week. But next Tuesday, um, I think that's the twelfth or thirteenth. I can't. I've lost track of the date. Um, it's Colorado Gives Day, so I'm trying to get something sent out by then, and we're going to get some hats made and T-shirts made and kind of like as thank you gifts for some donations. So look for an email about that soon. Yeah, so you can do kind of like a donation pledge and yeah. you get some kind of swag. Yeah, it would be fun out of it. Um, yeah, that's really great. And we've nailed down our roster. We've got 11 really great riders uh, riding with us, training with us this year. Um, our first, um, I guess we'd say remote, I guess, athlete. Oh, yeah, um, Tristan, Tristan up in Laramie. Up in Laramie, Wyoming. He's a solid athlete. Yeah, really great very athlete. excited to have him. A part Super of cool it. kid. Um, so that'll be our first, like, uh, a yeah, not local, yeah. local kid, but he's so committed. He wants to train hard. He does Nordic, Nordic ski racing over the winter, so he'll be busy. But he's going to even make a trip down to Arizona um, over the holidays and join our team camp. So he's you know, committed to the team. Wants to be part of the camaraderie and the community. Yeah, and our goal for the team moving in, you know, each year as it progresses to become more and more of like a national program and recruiting kids from around the country. Um, and really helping develop the the talent for kind of high level mountain bike racing for the U.S. in the coming coming years. So, um, so Tristan will be great to have him on board. And yeah, what I'm excited out. about for the team camp at Christmas is um, we'll have our new our new kits for the kids to wear, and we'll get some pictures taken and get the new roster and the new pictures up on our website. Because right now we just have last year's kids, and um, yeah, I'm excited to kind of show the world who we have training with us this year. And do little, little bios about them and some maybe like a fun video from the training camp we're going to have. Yeah. And before that, we're getting our goal setting done with them and planning out their races, race season, and much, very much what we've been talking about the last couple, two, three episodes of the podcast here. And we're doing that with each each rider individually on our redevelopment team. And um, and then, yeah, like you said, with the team camp, we're excited. This We're going to have a, a week-long training camp down in the Phoenix area, north of Phoenix, um, right through the New Year's break, when they're so they're out of school. Um, and we'll be down there for about a, a week doing mm-hmm. some, some big rides and a couple of off-bike team-building activities. Um, we got like a, a fun, short but challenging hike planned um, just to make their legs extra sore. Um, and then... Um, you, you got that escape room mm-hmm. package. Got that figured out. Yeah, so if any of them are listening, one of the team building things is uh, a fun, like, escape room activity. We'll be <laughs> down in, in Tempe doing a cool little thing there. So that'll be fun to get to get them to bond a little bit, problem solve, all that kind of good stuff. So, um, yes. And then, of course, lots of riding on our new bikes. Yeah, it'll be great. I'm looking forward to it, especially with weather like we've been having lately in Denver. I'm so excited for sunshine. Yeah, this has been like the... Cactus. <laughs> earliest worst we're not even to winter yet i mean it's so fall. <laughs> I know, i'm really struggling with it <laughs> yeah anyway let's not complain too much about that but um but yeah that'll be great and i feel like there was one other thing i was going to say um regarding all that that might come to you yeah i will say kudos to ethan one of our new kids on the team um because he took the initiative of listening to our podcast about goal setting downloaded this the worksheet off of the blog filled it out, emailed it to us, and was, you know, just kind of like taking the bull by the horns yeah. and saying like, this is what we're going to do. This is what I want to do for the next year, and let's meet and talk about it. And well, like, he was smart, because I think he went to Chicago or somewhere yeah. to family for Thanksgiving, so he downloaded stuff, did it on the airplane, mm-hmm. 
So he's now risen to the top of our favorite yeah. writer. <laughs> right. Well, it's uh, cool to see the initiative, and um, this is why we wanted him on the team. Like, we'd heard he had, like, big goals and work ethic, and yeah. it's, it's it's evident. Yeah, I mean, it's that old saying, actions speak louder than words, and, you know, when you see a writer like, you know, Ethan and some of the others, I don't want to just single him out, but others of you know, you know, the ones that show up and do stuff and listen to what we say and do what we say. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. So uh, he's, anyway, the point is he started the ball rolling and now we're, we're asking all the kids to take that next step and fill out the worksheet as well. And we're scheduling one-on-ones with them. So if you haven't yet uh, checked that out, you could listen to the goal setting episode. I think it was number 16. I could be wrong. could be 17. And um, check out our 16. blog at endurance.sessions6.com and, and you'll find the worksheet and it's really helpful. It only takes like five to 15 minutes depending on how long you labor over it. But it gets your wheels spinning. It gets your wheels spinning, it. yeah. And then you could like run it by a partner, run it by a coach, run it by a friend and or run it by us and, and, and get the ball rolling. And it's motivating for training too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that was episode uh, 16 was the goal setting. 17 was um, race planning or picking your races for mm-hmm. the year. And then the last episode, 18, was um, kind of setting up your annual training plan. Oh, right. So those okay. three were like I in a... I did guess correctly. Yeah, you did, in a series. Um, so check them out and um, send us questions if you have them. So um, good. Let's see, what else? Well, well you were going to mention kind what, of your week. Yeah, well, not necessarily my week, but um, one little thing, little note on me yesterday, um, training, weightlifting. So this was Wednesday. Um, I was going through the strength training, you know, progressions and just started noticing like this little light something in my upper hamstring and, um, decided after one set of the deadlift, decided to kind of pull the plug on that. Mm -hmm. Um, just because I know that You've had a little history of like upper hamstring issues like a year ago that was really yeah, lingered and Yeah, it talks to me once in a while. And we have anyway. some other riders mm-hmm. that have had some things with like their glutes or upper hamstring. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop now and not do the deadlift for the day. So I can hopefully more than likely do it on Friday rather than do it and maybe potentially injure something and not be able to deadlift for several weeks or yeah. months, right? So I'm kind of giving myself kudos of, <laughs> I listened to my body, you know, what we said and, um, and then kind of us talking about it. Yeah. I think we figured out that just the last, last week or so, mm-hmm. like the, the training load is definitely starting to come up, especially from like a strength aspect, you know, the, the trainer workouts we're doing are very much strength oriented with the big gear work. And then obviously the weightlifting is getting heavier as we come towards the last couple of weeks here of this training block. So it's a lot of strength stuff. And I think just being that little bit extra fatigue from all the strength work yeah. um, is maybe just not agreeing with me. So listening to my body and adjusting that way, hopefully I can get a little extra recovery and not really, quote, miss anything and then keep progressing. Well, you also did some snow shoveling over the last few days too, so that could have added... Some extra oh, layers. Some extra yeah. layers of stress to your overall kind of stress score. So, yeah. yeah, good job calling it quits yesterday. It is hard to do that. You're like, no, it's on my schedule. I'm Yeah, I really wanted to get it <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, I really want to do this. I love deadlifts. I want to move. Yeah, so, but I 
the take home message here for all, all the listeners is like, you know, that your training plan, number one, isn't set in stone. Number two, you know, listen to your body. And if something just doesn't feel right, definitely consider pulling the plug on that moment and moving on to the next day. Because chances are you do that proactively, you'll come back the next day or two days later, probably be fine and keep progressing. Whereas if you choose to push through, like a lot of type A athletes like we are, we could get it done, but then maybe it's several days or weeks that get affected if right. we it wasn't end up it. doing too much. Yeah. So, um, so just kind of a little take home message and it happens to, you know, the best of us. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, that was just, that's all I wanted to mention. Yeah. I don't have myself. much for my week. It's just been kind of a week. Just yeah. Working, training, catching up on stuff around the house after the Thanksgiving break. Yep. And the snow's melting and this weekend looks really good here in Denver. Highs in the upper fifties and some sun, so I'm eager to get yeah, a couple too. good rides in outside finally. It's been kind of like two weeks since I've ridden outside, so. Yeah. Um, all right. All right, we had a question from Brad Sparlin. Yeah. He, um, well, he's an awesome guy. He Didn't he join us last spring in Fruta for a few days of training camp? Yeah. From, is he in Utah? Utah, yeah. 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 So Brad sent an email. He's number a Leadville, one, Leadville like, guy. Oh, he's a Leadville guy. Yeah. yeah. He was asking if we were going to do the fruit of, fruit of week. And, and then, but his real question that we want to talk about today was, what the heck's that bonus noon session? Yeah, I guess were, we mentioned, yeah, the we talked about bonus session. noon bonus, we call it. Um, so what that is, is it's a, an extended optional add-on trainer session that we do just at the noon trainer class at session six. So the noon class, our trainer sessions are about 75 minutes. So it wraps up around one fifteen, and we don't have anything until the next class that starts at 4.30. So what you and I and Sophia often joins us because mm-hmm. she's homeschooled and has time during the day. And a couple other athletes like Bill and Carlos and Ian last year when he was Yeah, a few guys who have flexible work schedules. Yeah, that could stay and, and do the extra bit would do it. So we call it our noon bonus. And um, it's about 40, 45 minutes. So it kind of makes the whole session about a two-hour training mm-hmm. session, which is nice. Um, and this is something that any of you at home can incorporate into your program if you would choose to and like to. Um, the way we do it is the extra 40-ish minutes is geared towards just additional aerobic work. So mm-hmm. um We've done all the concentrated work in the main primary um, trainer session that everyone's following. And then we just tack on the extra aerobic stuff. So, like right now, it's just um, we started. Choose your own adventure. It is, yeah. You can do it. You can set up any number of intervals. The way way we've done it is we started with, um, I think, just three minute intervals with one minute recoveries. And we set it into like level mode in the group setting, meaning you can kind of just do whatever you want. So initially we did a lot of just 90 RPM, 75 to 80% of max heart rate aerobic Mm -hmm. work. And it was like pretty easy, but it just got more minutes of aerobic training. Three minutes on, one minute off. And then as we've progressed the... Duration of the three minutes is just, we've added. Right. I think it was like eight by three minutes, and then it was six by four. And there's some spin up and some spin down to make it 40 minutes. Right. So we just kind of add on that extra aerobic bit. And so now you have the option, or those of us doing it um, at the noon bonus session, is you can do, you know, some additional big gear work. Mm -hmm. I've even done some extra ILTs. Um, you know, within those parameters and getting that extra work. So, 
there's certainly nothing wrong um, with adding that to your training program. So some things to think about, though, before you do is obviously make sure you have time for it in your day, um, but also make sure that it doesn't affect your recovery day-to-day. So right now, chances are it wouldn't affect very many people in terms of too much load because the trainer workouts are still relatively low load in terms of their just aerobic and aerobic strength work. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pat, when we get past the new year and we start doing anaerobic threshold, VO2s, anaerobic power, higher intensity work, um, it's possible doing the noon bonus <clears throat> just might be too much extra and you know, make you unable to recover day to day and get the good quality. But if work. you are following the heart rate rules to keep it seventy five to eighty percent of your max heart rate, you stand a better chance of not overdoing it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So the idea is just adding additional minutes of aerobic work. Um, well, we both were giggling last night or two nights ago in bed about how badly our legs felt for that bonus session on Tuesday. Because we have about three or four minutes in between the first session and the bonus session. The transition, we're, yeah. Yeah, right, we're like, go pee, we grab a snack, we're saying goodbye to people. And you start pedaling again, and oh my gosh, my legs felt like crap. Yeah, and it's hard to get it going. It just took, it took about 15 to 20 minutes for me to whew, mentally and physically get into it. Yeah, and a big part of that is because the main trainer sessions now are very heavily dosed in big gear, low-cadence strength work, whether mm-hmm. it be the ILTs or the standing aerobic climbs. So, yeah, taking that little break and then getting back on and your legs are just kind of zapped (laughs) combined with the heavy lifting in the gym and all that. So we're definitely hitting this, like, high muscular fatigue Mm -hmm. point of the training season. Um, And we really only have next week and then the week after that is going to be sort of a testing week um, with some heavy lifting for one rep maxes and then a few days later some um, a power test on the bike. And and that's sort of it for the, the heavy stuff. And then we'll have a little break through the holidays and come back and start focusing more on the slightly higher to higher intensity stuff um, on the bike. So it's just another week or so of this sort of leg zapping strength yeah. stuff. But It's good work, but man, was I fatigued for that second part. Yeah, I will say I was eager to be done and was halfway through thinking about <laughs> wanting to be done and, and, and eating your moving lunch. on with the day. Yeah. yeah, and I had to force myself. I think we did, what, five by six minutes for the bonus, and I had to force myself to do two of those six-minute intervals as like a 90 RPM aerobic threshold because my legs didn't want to spin do that fast. It? Yeah, it was like easier to continue to do the standing climbs at low cadence oh, or right. a, seated, um, a seated interval at low cadence because that's what my legs had been doing for you know, a while and I had to force myself to get my legs to turn over and go back up to 90, 95, a hundred RPMs. And it was like pulling teeth, but (laughs) you know, I'm glad I did it. It's like almost like a mental victory that, you know, I pushed myself into kind of an uncomfortable place and, and did it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so those listening that want to add that extra bit, you certainly can, and it doesn't have to be 40 minutes. It could honestly be even an extra 10 or 15 minutes. Um, has its benefits. I mean, as a general statement, the more you can ride your bike, the more minutes, particularly aerobically, the better you're going to become at riding your bike. Um, So more in general is better. However, if that more just starts to influence how your next trainer session or your next key workout is done, then that might be too much. So Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, just keep that in mind. If you're later on, we're doing high power stuff. If you're struggling to hit the targets and you're doing the extra stuff, consider not doing the extra stuff, but feel free to add that, add that in as desired. Um, all right, let's talk about, um, Oh, we were going to ask uh, the other question that happened in class about the tips for standing climbs. Oh, okay. Um, we, we did mention this in the previous episode in episode 18, as we were describing and instructing y'all how to do the standing climbs with surges at home. Um, but we had some feedback from some athletes on Tuesday night. So I just wanted to touch on it one more time. Um, one of the guys, Darren said he was just struggling to keep his heart rate low, lower than the, the limits, the below 80% for the standing climbs before he even got to the surges. And he, I think he was just feeling kind of frustrated and, and I had to remind him like, no, that's really normal. And, um, what you'll find as you go through, like say you have a 14 minute climb, you might be good for your heart rate might be just totally fine for eight minutes, seven minutes, nine minutes. And then as your body becomes warmed up and fatigued, the heart rate starts climbing. Well, get down the drops. Like the never, that's the number one easiest way to lower your heart rate. The drops of the handlebars. The drops of the handlebars. Um, another guy said, well, I'm not comfortable in the drops. Like it just feels really awkward. Okay. I hear you, but this is a great time to practice. You're not outside. You're probably not going to fall off your bike. I do say probably because <laughs> I guess you still, still could, but wouldn't it be a great idea to, to practice something like standing in a more safe, um, standard environment. So go down to the drops of your handlebars. It will lower your heart rate. You can be down there for 30 seconds to a minute and then get back up on, on, like the top of the hoods again or wherever you had your hands to start and you should be good to go there. Right. And I think we talked about that in the last episode, but yeah, I just wanted to mention it again in case someone had struggled with that in the workouts this week. Yeah. And the reason being is when you go in the drops, you're effectively kind of getting into a more horizontal position. Um, so your heart has less gravity to mm-hmm. fight with and believe it or not, it does make a difference. It makes a big difference. So I, I just kind of watch my heart rate and go down and back up, down and back up and, and try to maximize, maximize the most watts I can crank out while keeping my heart rate for me at like 145. Right. Okay. Yeah. So good questions. Um, keep them coming. It's fun to, to talk about yeah. all the ins and outs. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, well, that's a good segue into week 16 of our base builder program. So if you are following our remote program, this will be um, exactly pertaining to what we're doing. If you're following one of our base builder training plans, um, this will be very, very similar, if not the same in some cases, depending on if you're on the 12, 18, or 24-week uh, plan. But basically, we are in the the seventh week of what we're calling phase two, which is focusing on the strength build and the aerobic build. Um, so we have, uh, one more week coming up that has training. And then, like I said earlier, the, the week after is the last week of this block, the eighth week. And, um, we'll mostly be focused on testing basically. So we'll do, um, a one rep max lift test, um, on Monday. And then on Thursday, come back before our holiday break and do a bike test. So aerobic test and and then the two power tests um, on the bike to check for progress. And then we'll have our two week break. So, um, week 16 in the strength room is is building that a little bit heavier weights, not quite to one rep max level, but we are getting a couple lifts in the deadlift and back squat at about 95% of our one rep max. Yeah. So we're, we're hitting that upper range of heavier lifting. 
Um, and then that will set us up for that next week, trying to go for that 100% or maybe even above that 100% if we have a new one rep max. Um, so some heavier lifting there. Um, the push and pull stuff is getting way less reps, a little heavier weights, making more room. Also, that takes less time, making more room for more reps in the core stuff. Um, so last mm-hmm. night I coached the strength, the evening strength class, and we were doing 20 plus reps of all the core movements and there was a lot of moaning, moaning and, groaning. and groaning, but, um, hopefully that, their that was, abs are sore. That's where like the, the, the work happens. Like if you were used to 10, 15 reps of a core move and you switch to 20, it's like, that's, yeah. that's the beauty of it. That's the, that's the what dessert. makes you strong. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's, that, that's great. So, um, that's kind of the gist there. Um, then week 16 on the bike, um, Like I said, we have three more bike training sessions, um, the Tuesday, Thursday of this coming week, and then just the Tuesday um, of next week, and then the Thursday of next week will be a testing day. So three more training sessions, so that means three more times to go through the ILTs, love them or hate them. Um, Got three more times to go through, and and I think um, thinking about some tips of that is we're getting near the end here. You should be, if you've been doing them regularly, you should be getting quite good at them from like a pedaling mechanic standpoint, mm-hmm. which was one of the goals, improving your ability to maintain tension on the chain. That in turn helps you maintain traction when you're outside, um, particularly off-road on a mountain bike or on a gravel bike where traction can be compromised. And then also just being able to have more evenly distributed power or force on the pedals throughout your entire pedal stroke. Mm-hmm. So it makes you more efficient. Um, and then the, doing them in the big gear low cadence adds that strength layer as well. So we're getting better at pedaling with one leg. And now these final few sessions, it's time to really crank it up and challenge yourself from a muscular standpoint. And the way you do that is basically by doing it in a bigger gear. So mm-hmm. dropping down an extra cog or whatever in the back. Um, and then, you know, some strategies on that is you don't have to commit to the whole three minutes that we're doing per leg. Instead, you know, start with, if you're ready to try a little harder, get through maybe the first two minutes and then like the, the third minute, try that harder gear, mm-hmm. shift down to that harder gear. Because we want to do these in level mode, remember, so the trainer isn't controlling the resistance. You want to have it act like a regular trainer, like you're outside. And the bigger the gear, harder you pedal, the more power you put out. Um, and then as you get better, you know, maybe then you try the next time at 90 seconds, you know, halfway through, try that bigger gear. And then maybe at two minutes and then eventually maybe the the last ILT session, you could do that bigger gear for the whole three minutes. You know, something, a progression like that is a way to put out more power. If you have the ability to record like the average power, you can also just simply look. That's really fun to see. Like it was 130, now it's 145. And right. I'll I'll give a tip too. I think it's really important to have your, um, when you unclip one foot and you start pedaling with a single leg, Make sure you are like at 65 or so to keep it, to keep the flywheel going. Um, and because sometimes I've watched people up on our TV screens in the, in the class setting and they let the flywheel slow down too much before they unclipped and they're trying to start like in 40, 45, 50 RPMs. And it's just really, to a, get it going. Yeah. yeah, it's a really a grunt effort and it's not very efficient. So I, you and I both seem to do it the same way where we'll, we'll start at about 65 RPMs. Mm-hmm warm up for 15, 20, 30 seconds like that, and then go to a harder gear and it start the cadence starts going down like 64, 62, yeah. 60. 
But if you let the cadence drop too low, like into the mid fifties or low fifties, you're it's just too hard and yeah. really awkward. Well, it's effectively like increasing the ramp of the grade of a climb, so mm-hmm. it's like getting too steep. So you, yeah, keeping the the flywheel going keeps you on the appropriate grade. So thinking about it like that. So, um, yeah. So those are some good tips. Um, some and other. Then- Oh, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Talking over each other. Well, what you tell us in the class is in that second of the third minute for an additional challenge to put your hands down in the drops of the handlebars. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if we've mentioned that to our home. It's in the athlete. notes in the workout. Okay, but, but just to say it out loud, it, it, yeah. it does close the hip angle to lower your hands, and it is an additional challenge, so give it a try. Yeah, performing the single leg pedaling in the drops of the handlebars. Um, we do that in the middle minute, minute two of the, of the three minutes. Um, and then come back to the tops to f- finish the last minute. Um, yeah, so those are some decent tips. One last one, not to, you know, bore on about this, but, um, really thinking about with the one leg as your foot's coming over the top of the pedal stroke, dropping that heel, just that little bit, just thinking about it is all you really have to do and pushing maybe a little more through your heel as if like the pedal was attached to your heel rather than the ball of your foot. And pushing more forward as opposed to down on the pedals, all of those things combined will really help engage the posterior chain, so the backside of your leg, your calves. You'll feel it immediately in your calves dropping the heel, uh, but also your hamstring and your glute muscles, and taking some of the pressure off of your quad muscles on the front of your leg, and getting those bigger glute hamstring muscles involved spares your quads. You can usually create more power over the longer duration, um, and really just helps hone in the pedaling technique so it's a good way to when you really start cranking it to think about that and these you know one pedal stroke every second at 60 rpms gives you time to really think about that like you can mm-hmm. really think about foot's coming over the top drop the heel push forward really feel it near the back side of your leg and then you kind of relax slightly as it goes across the bottom and momentum kind of carries you up more or less to the back to the top and then drop that heel push down or forward and down and and back around so find a good rhythm there. It's really good strength training as well as pedaling mechanics. So, um, so final few ILTs, just keep it up, go strong, make them count. I mean, honestly, I think it's the hardest part of the whole workout or should be the hardest part of the workout or those, that second set of big gear ILTs should mm-hmm. be hard for sure. That's for sure. Um, and then lastly, the, uh, aerobic strength, um, is going to this, this week jump up to 30 minutes straight, um, Tuesday's eight surges. Thursday is 12 surges. We talked about surges in the last episode, so I don't want to go on about it, but, um, you're just going to accelerate, um, your cadence, uh, 20 RPM and, um, it's not a sprint, but an acceleration. And we're just starting to tap into a little bit of higher heart rate work is the idea there, higher power work. Well, you did mention to me, you wanted to, um, reiterate that you only want to work as hard as you need. Right. So, um, as you saw some, Real that's actually a good point. Yeah, sweating and grunting. Yeah, I mean that's the theme of any training here is only work as hard as you need to to achieve the goals of the workout. Meaning, up to this point, we've been actually haven't been working all that terribly hard, right? Eighty percent of max heart rate. Um, we could have worked way harder, meaning done more work, more power, but we're not. And even with these surges, it's fun. I see people in in the gym in the trainer studio. Like, oh, we finally get to kind of push it a little bit, and they're going, and at the end of just four surges, like we did this last week, um, really going like, whoo, that was 
brutal, you know, and like really huffing and puffing. It's not quite the point here. You, you, this is still a very controlled effort. Um, you are allowed, in quotes, to go over the 80% of max heart rate for those during those surges. But it's not like go as hard as you can. Because it, it's training should be just as hard as required to hit your goal of the workout. But no harder than that. So you can recover from it easily and train again the next day. Yes. Because if you're going, Very important. quote, all out or, um, you know, as hard as you can for the, too much. the intervals. Yeah. yeah. And I hear coaches say that a lot. It's like, oh, we're going to do VO2 intervals, which are hard. But they'll say, like, go as hard as you can for the two or three minutes or however long the VO2 intervals are for each one. But that's honestly, that's not the point. The, the point of interval training is taking a set duration of power. So let's use VO2 max, which is, let's say, eight-minute power. And breaking it into small chunks or intervals, doing that same eight-minute max power, but now let's say four by two minutes. That becomes actually quite doable. Mm -hmm. Still hard, but it's doable. You know, by the third or fourth one, it's definitely hard. But it's not like you're going all out. Yeah, the overall effect one. isn't like a complete wasted body at the end of the workout. Right. You want to go just hard enough to get the training effect, the stimulus. Then you can recover from it. And be better and ready to go the next time. Because um, I hear, I've, I've heard and read coaches say, like, intervals, it's full gas from the get-go. And it's like, uh, I mean, that's just, the, when you go full gas, it's, like, very stressful in your body. And yeah. you really need to save that for race day. And I guess maybe testing day. But, you know, we test, like, four to six times a year. And then full gas is for race day. Intervals are hard. Don't get me wrong. But it's, you're... It should be very manageable. Is, mm -hmm. is the, that's the whole point of intervals is you're taking something hard, breaking it into small chunks mm -hmm. so it's manageable, doable, and you can successfully complete them, adapt to it, and move on to the, the rest of your training the rest of the week. Um, so all that, I'll get off yeah, my soapbox, it, but, but all that It's is, really important to reiterate because people, and it's like a wonderful quality, they want to work hard, that's yeah. why they're doing this sport, but you, you need to look at the big picture. Yeah, well, and I see people over the years of coaching is like, they will just destroy workouts, like they'll just have amazing workouts, amazing numbers, and put in such heart and effort into their workouts, and it's like, alright, we're gonna do this, and then they go race, and it doesn't translate like they, they didn't race nearly to what they were doing in training a few weeks earlier or and why do you think that is or I'll be at a race and they'll cross the line and it's like they're not that tired yeah we're, we're racing here why you should go as hard I mean there are certain instances when you you aren't going as hard all the way to the line but certainly if you're doing like a time trial or a cross-country mountain bike race or a crit or you know a lot of things there you should be spent when you're done racing. And that's, like I said, that's when you go full gas and you're done. But, yeah. And why do you think people do that? I think it's like a mental thing. I think um, in training they can get themselves, like, psyched up and they're usually by themselves or maybe in a small group setting, like, mm -hmm. if they're training with us, but by themselves at home. They'll go, they can do that and, I don't know, and do it well, but then on race day they... It's like you're finally being sort of measured and judged, I guess, amongst everybody else you're racing against. And so maybe they, 
they're just too eager to or easy easily to pull the plug or something. Mm. I don't know. It's it's a psycho it's psychological thing because they clearly have the ability to go harder, but um, well, maybe we'll touch on that more in a, another episode. We love talking about the mental side yeah, of racing. Absolutely. So, um, so all that said, it's not time to you know empty the bucket on these surges. These are just good introduction to some higher power, high, higher heart rate <laughs> um, work. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll move on from that. <laughs> we cover everything there? I, I think, think so. so. Yep. Okay. Lifestyle improvements to help your performance. Yes. So this is, this is a pretty good one. I think, I mean, as we went through this, talking about it the last couple of days, it's really talking about what? How, how to be a healthy person, really. Yeah. And we'll try to share them some things we do because we're amazing, right? And <laughs> oh my god! This is a whole show about touting how how great we are. Yeah, I, think, um, how we I do hope it doesn't right. come off that way. But <laughs> we've certainly done a lot. We've certainly not treated our body well in different as- um, like time of your life. I, we have a college freshman um, right now, and we watch how she's been sick with bronchitis and sinus infections because she's not getting enough sleep. But you know, it's it's easy to to lecture her and worry about her but I did the same thing my freshman year in college Mm -hmm. I had one sinus infection after another so hopefully by this age of my life 45 I have learned a few things about how to keep myself a little healthier right right well let's go through so I think we outlined some key things here um and yes we just started the top of the list top was sleep sleep is number one yes and I didn't sleep well last night. <laughs> For some reason, our dogs were crawling all over me. Yeah, so I think single-handedly, I used to think nutrition was the, the most important thing. But more recently, I think sleep, hands down, is like the key to a healthy, long life. And it's becoming, um, doctors and scientists are kind of figuring out like the importance of sleep. And that segues into this book I've been reading, which I highly recommend, um, or I've just finished it actually. It's called Why We Sleep, Unlocking the Powers of Sleep and Dreams by Matthew Walker, PhD. And I just picked it up at the library. Or actually, you picked it up at the library for me. I heard I heard someone mention it on a podcast. And I've heard I, a few people mention it as well. I knew you would love it. You yeah. You to read nonfiction. And it's a great book. I recommend it. It's definitely on the science-y, nerdier side. He does a good job of making it interesting to read. But you have to kind of enjoy reading more science-y stuff i guess to, to get it but i'm pretty sure sciency is not a word <laughs> it's not sciency <laughs> no. okay um but yeah it's a great book and i've appreciated you telling me the tidbits you've been pulling out of it yeah I, you talk about sleep all the time we annoy our children endlessly yes giving them lectures about sleeping but it is true like if you don't sleep enough and enough is the key here then you will get sick you will be grumpy well actually enough but also you can sleep too much, but also more importantly is the quality of the sleep is what they're okay. figuring out. Preach it, Cody. Yeah. Tell us what you learned. Well, so from the enough standpoint, what I gathered from this book is eight to nine hours a night is kind of the gold standard for, for humans. Mm-hmm. So some of you may hear that and guffaw and think that that's like impossible. But that's if you want to be, number one, healthy – you, you just need eight to nine hours of sleep. If you want to perform well, you need probably closer to nine hours of sleep. But I did read in there somewhere that there wasn't 
a significant benefit beyond nine hours of sleep in terms of like furthering your improvement. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be a little bit better, but it's not significantly better. Um, and they found that eight to nine is sort of like the perfect little sweet spot, um, of that. And then from a quality standpoint, and I'm probably going to bumble this up a bit, but it's, there's three different like sleep phases. You have the, like your initial falling asleep phase, which can take one to two hours depending on the person. And there's not a lot of restoration going on there. You're just kind of like decompressing more or less. And then there's the the non-REM or NREM sleep. And then there's the REM sleep. And the NREM, non-REM, is I guess simply put like the deepest sleep and the most restorative sleep. But then also the REM sleep is also extremely valuable. That's where we dream and things with our brain, the connections within our brain improve. And this is super critical when you're a young person. Um, You know, your brain is developing and it's really interesting. They connected some things where it's like a lot of these uh, behavioral disorders that young people have these days um, are directly related to poor REM sleep at a young age. Mm. Um, I think it even said starting like in the womb, um, getting the proper sleep. It's wild. All these things. Um, But definitely through like the um, preteen and teen years, you know, getting the, those things figured out again, that in REM sleep to connect you all your brain signals and everything. So you, um, that's like the rise of, uh, you know, ADHD and all these hyperactive disorders and mm-hmm. basically abilities not to be able to inability to concentrate and focus kind of stem, I think from this lack of, well, it sleep. seems logical. Yeah, it really does. Um, and another, not to get off track too far, is big sidetrack is like sleep. So I've noticed, everyone's probably noticed that, you know, in the last several decades, like the, our general health as humans, or at least Americans, you know, uh, first world people has declined significantly. Um, so many more, at least noticeable sort of dysfunction or disease or illness going around with people. Mm-hmm. Um and I used to be a firm believer that it's like, it's our diet mm-hmm. and, you know, there's all these like manufactured foods and the chemicals and depleting of the soil and all of these well, things. And that's all part. Of I it. do think it's a part for sure. But I was sold like that is the reason. Like mm-hmm. if everyone would just clean up their diet, eat the right foods, avoid chemicals, most, if not all of these things would illnesses and dysfunctions would go away. But what they're finding is it's actually quite possibly sleep or interruption of sleep that is the root of all of this, you know, the diet issues are certainly contributing, but maybe the sleep is the bigger culprit because what else has changed in the last, you know, 20 years is the introduction of all these electronic devices. It started with the the iPad or the iPod and then the iPhone and then the iPad, not to bash on Apple. I'm a big Apple fan, but all of these things now we're just this like continuously connected screen watching stimulated stimulated culture and those screens interrupt our sleep and our ability to produce melatonin that creates like the sleep pressure that makes us sleepy and allows us to get the good quality NREM and REM sleep the well, restorative how sleep. many times have we heard our kids say how do you expect me to go to bed at 10 o'clock I'm not even tired. Right. Because they've been well, staring at the screen. you're not tired because you, yeah, you're, we're on our soapbox. <laughs> because you're staring at the screen 
and you're not allowing your brain to become tired. It's stimulated, right. stimulated, stimulated. So from a chemical standpoint, that's exactly it. And it has to do with melatonin is produced and that's involved with your circadian rhythm and all these things. And if you don't get that melatonin, then you don't get what he called sleep pressure, which is like that urge mm. to like when you're sleepy or tired, like that urge. And we hear, yeah, like we hear our kids say that all the time. I'm, I don't feel sleepy. Well, it's because you've effed up your melatonin and all your hormones in there and you're not feeling sleepy, but that doesn't mean you, you know, ultimately you're not getting the sleep you need to restore. And so it's during sleep, the quality NREM and REM sleep phases where our body has been designed to restore itself, repair itself and combat illnesses and disease and from a physical standpoint, repair our muscle damage that we put on ourselves training, you know, to become a fitter and stronger person. You know, all of these things are related to the, to sleep and it's really quite fascinating. And it really is. And the word restorative seems to have jumped out at you a lot in that book and it's in my brain now. I mean, that is the function, the number one function of, of sleep is to restore your body. Exactly. It really is. And you can quote, go to sleep and not get as much of that restorative sleep. And so therefore you're, you, maybe you're eight hours of laying in bed, you know, half asleep, unconscious, mm -hmm. whatever. It's not, you're not restoring yourself. You're not getting repaired and remaining healthy. And it's, it's pretty wild. I mean, this, I mean, they're saying things of like the spreading of cancer and like all of these things are, could be significantly reduced if people could up their sleep quality. Um, and it went way back in history, you know, it was originally the invention of the light bulb that started us all off, um, staying up later and kind of screwing up our circadian rhythm and all those sorts of things. I found that really interesting as well. Um, and even before that, the gas lamp and all this stuff. So it's a good read if you're into <laughs> to sleep. And then it also goes on to how to potentially like improve your sleep, um, things like that, which I'll touch on a couple of the biggies I pulled out, but, um, sleep is number one, get get those eight to nine hours, figure out a way to do it. I mean, most people, I hear a lot of busy people say they get six or seven hours of sleep. I would night. die. It's just not yeah. healthy. And it goes on to say that people don't even, most people are in this chronic state of fatigue and sleepiness that they, that is their new norm. And so they don't even know what being restful and restored even feels like anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it creates this whole cycle of just being under, slept and well i think that's what's happened to our older daughter i, I don't right. think she knows what it feels like to feel good anymore and right hopefully she can get there again because yeah she kind of drags through the day yeah well and i'm probably rambling on so much about this but an interesting thing too is especially with our teenager and kids is like the whole school system of being these like early school hours and i picked up something i didn't realize is that the circadian rhythm of teenagers is two to three hours shifted later compared to like us at 40 years old. And so when they say like, when we're exhausted and ready for bed at nine o'clock and they look at us like, are you nuts? That's like normal for them. They just need to shift everything back to go to bed at 11, but they need to wake up then nine hours later at eight and be at school at nine. Well, that's not the way things work unless you're homeschooled and getting these kids up early is like waking us up at like four in the morning is that mm. that's how they feel so that was really interesting and kind of eye-opening as well um that whole circadian rhythm deal but um it is a fascinating topic yeah but the nutshell is get get those eight to nine hours of sleep some things you can do to improve 
that quality and get the restorative sleep is number one, he said the most important thing was like setting up a sleep routine, meaning going to bed and waking up the same every day is, mm-hmm. is ideal. The, the whole concept of like cutting it short during the week because you're busy and then trying to make up sleep on the weekend doesn't work. It's, it, it doesn't work that way. Our brains don't, don't process it that way. Um, so having the same sleep time, same wake time every day or as often as possible is ideal. You'll sleep better, get better quality. Um, another biggie was making sure we get natural light during the day. That helps kind of reset or keep our circadian rhythm on track. Mm-hmm. Um, and even things like the invention of sunglasses kind of affects that to some degree. Because if you're blocking the, the light from the, the natural light, mm. it's sort of shifting our ability to um, keep maintain that steady circadian rhythm and, and be sleepy later on in the evening. Um, so I've been sitting in the mornings in our front room, which gets a lot of morning sunlight, um, doing my emails and drinking my coffee, like with the light in my eyes where it's, it's a little annoying, but I'm actually getting kind of used to it. But, um, one, it's winter and it feels good to have the sun shining on you too. But so you're sit- sitting there with the chihuahuas. The chihuahua- oh, the chihuahuas love it too. So they know what's up, right? They, the dogs sit in the sun <laughs> and it's like, we sit there and I get my, you know, 20, 30 minutes of like sunlight in the morning. Does that help wake you up? Do you think? Yeah, I think it helps wake, wake me up. And that has to do with like the adenosine levels that wakes you up and um there's a whole thing about that of, of like melatonin and adenosine and how they go up and down throughout the day and but it's sort of like a, a natural reset you know the amazing thing is like nature sort of solves everything for us but we think as humans i think that we're like smarter than nature and we want to be better and sort of figure things out but nature is nature and it's there to it's designed we're all designed a certain way so get that sunlight you'll be tired in the evening kind of thing so um, uh, some, some that people are probably aware of avoiding things like alcohol and caffeine are really big, um, particularly in the afternoon hours, but, um, alcohol and caffeine, everyone knows caffeine kind of keeps us up and that has to do with how it elevates the adenosine levels, suppresses melatonin and all these things. That's kind of a no brainer. Alcohol, although a lot of people associate having a few drinks with like being able to fall asleep faster. Mm-hmm. He was saying that it, um, when you're sleeping under the influence of alcohol, it's more like being sedated rather than getting that restorative sleep. Mm-hmm. So yes, you are in bed perhaps or the couch and you're asleep, but you're not getting the restorative benefits, that deep NREM sleep because al- alcohol fills in, I, I don't remember the exact thing, but gaps in the synapses and things are that affects that. So you, you, your quality goes way down. Mm-hmm. Um, with the alcohol drinking, so well, and I'll just share some personal stuff there. I, I I didn't grow up drinking. I wasn't like a drinker in college, or even when I was first married um, to um, the kid's father. But when I got divorced, when was that? Twelve years ago, thirteen years ago, I, I was having a hard time. So I got in the habit of having wine at night because I was lonely and sad, and then it would help me fall asleep. Um, and so it's, it, it's been an interesting experiment to like break that habit, especially recently where I've, I've committed to not drinking alcohol at home, at least I'm saving it for a special occasion and just reteaching my body, like to be sleepy, just to read my book and not feel like I have to have the, the wine to go to sleep. And I am, I am sleeping better overall. Yeah. And there's probably a little bit of withdrawal if people are used to something every day. 
that you get through mm-hmm. and then you start to feel better, I would assume. Yeah, so. no, it's been, it's been really good. I'm, I'm glad to have kind of reset my, my circadian rhythms in that way. Right, right. And then the last one was avoiding those blue, the blue light that yeah, you get from screens. everyone knows that one, don't yeah. you think? Everyone knows that, but it's also just like, why do we know it and then don't follow it? Yeah. I don't know. But Get out a good old-fashioned <laughs> ink and paper book. Yeah, he said in the last one, preferably two hours before bed, like no screens. Um think TV's probably, uh, quote, okay, or at least better than, like, the, it's the computer devices that are, like, a foot from our face, mm-hmm. um, emit that blue light, so phones, tablets, laptops, um, plus, there's always, those things can be stimulating, whether mm-hmm. it's positive or negative, um, you know, maybe you get an email from something, a bill, and it makes you mad, and then it's hard to, or, or makes right. you worried about something, right, right? or, um, or maybe it's like a really great movie and you get really wound up or, mm-hmm. you know, so avoiding that stuff is, is key, you know, one to two hours before bed and, and you end up, the quality goes up of your sleep. Um, well, we talked a lot about sleep because <clears throat> you're very passionate about it and so am I, but we had like five other ones. So let's just quickly touch on them. I know we've talked about them in other podcasts as well. Daily diet. I mean, definitely your food, the food you put in your mouth is a really, that's number two for sure. Really huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you had a list there. Go ahead. Uh, well, as far as like a daily diet, organizing your eating, a general rule of thumb, biggest to smallest, meaning your biggest meal comes first in the day, your smallest meal comes second or last in the day. Also, sometimes opposed to how Americans eat. A lot of times dinner's the biggest meal. But try to flip that around. I mean, basically you're coming out of fasting, having breakfast, right? Fuel up for the day. Uh, you got workouts, you got stress at work, you got a lot going on, fuel up. Um, and then lunch, you're kind of sustaining life during the day or you know maybe refueling from a morning workout or whatever. That's a good size meal. And then dinner should be fairly light. Um, one, it's easier to digest, again, helping you improve your sleep quality when you do go to bed. Um, and you don't need all those all that fuel necessarily to go to sleep. Um, and one little trick I've kind of incorporated the last couple weeks, several weeks, is adding, um, I do a little protein shake actually right before bed. So I have a pretty small dinner the last six six weeks or so, eight weeks. Um, usually just like a, a little salad. bit of vegetables. Yeah, yeah, like salad essentially. Pretty light, um, pretty small. And then before bed, a little protein shake um, to give a little protein because I've read some things of the restorative nature of having a little protein while you're sleeping and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I think it has helped. I mean, it's staved off some hunger through the night. Um, and it's okay to be a little hungry going to bed. Um, and then I've lost about three pounds of body fat over the last eight weeks. Mm. So, I mean, I'm on track with kind of my goals that way. Um, and then I wake up, what happens is you create a positive cycle. I wake up hungry and then I have my big breakfast and it's, I want that big breakfast mm-hmm. where you hear some people say, I'm not hungry in the morning. Well, maybe it's because you ate too much the night before and it's just sat like a rock in your stomach. <laughs> you didn't sleep well. You know, it's like this cycle. Um, so try eating a little less at dinner, a little more at breakfast and get that kind of cycle going. Um, eating, eat before you're hungry is a big one. Cause if you wait till you're starving, you're going to reach for the chips or fill in the blank, your easy, fast, quick food. Mm-hmm. Um, so eat get a schedule going, eat before you're hungry. Um, eat and before th- you're really hungry. Re- yeah. Re- before you're really hungry. Um, and then another big one is refueling immediately after your training session. 
Yeah, that was our big takeaway from a nutrition talk with Steve Acuna, um, just about how we need to balance the hormones out from a workout, throwing the hormones out of whack. So refueling, getting out the sugars replenished. Right. Um, because it does a lot with your hormone levels. Um, it's not even so much for me. I always thought, well, if I'm doing kind of a moderate workout and I don't have to train much the next day, I probably don't need to refueling. Isn't that critical? That was happen naturally. I don't really need that like recovery drink. Um, but it, uh, there's also other things at play in terms of like your cortisol levels and your hormonal balances. And that has to do with like, will your body like release some fat, you know, to be used up for fuel. Or does it think it's going to be starved and holds on to fat? So getting that 300-ish calorie, mostly carb, some protein snack or drink right after a workout is key, if for nothing else, helping to balance and restore the hormone levels. Um, and that will in turn keep that cycle of, of eating in, in balance. Um, another big one, let's see... We're big fans of being kind of plant-based. We're, we're not vegetarian. We're certainly not vegan, but we eat mostly plants mm -hmm. or food from plants. Um, and along with that, high fiber is the other big key. Um, I'm a big fiber fan. We both are. Yeah. We've, ta we've talked about that quite a bit. Yeah. That's that a fiber makes you have good poops and good poops, there you go. You get the gut bacteria in place. That also helps you sleep better. Um, I mean, that is key. Eat lots of plants um meat or any kind of dairy should be fairly minor in our opinions and you know and kind of a complement maybe to your meal um and not the focal point of the meal um go for the plants and the more fibrous the better i mean we're beans are a big staple for us yeah beans lentils cruciferous vegetables like broccoli cauliflower yep. love them all um all those sorts of things just load up on that stuff um but with that said, I don't love cooking, and so we do eat mostly at home. We 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 indulge with some fuss soup on Fridays for yeah. Fuss Friday and Thai once in Pizza a while. Every now Pizza every now and then. Once in a while. Yeah. But it's healthier and, and less expensive to eat at home. So cooking at home is ideal. It does not have to be fancy. Believe me, I do not love spending tons of time. So some of our our, our hacks would be. Have a rice cooker, and um, you can cook up the grain of your choice in the rice cooker. It's super easy. Have, having an egg cooker helps me. I'll, in like three minutes, I have a soft-boiled egg that I can eat, or four minutes, a medium-boiled egg to put on a salad. Um, I know some people love the Instapots because you can make a, a huge meal really mm -hmm. quickly. So, um, yeah, those things are really helpful. Uh, I'll roast up a bunch of vegetables, or one of us will, a couple times a week, and that does not take very long either. So, yeah. yeah, no, I think that's a great tip. I mean, our my favorite is when you whip out the handful of sweet potatoes mm -hmm. and dice yes. them all up and cook them. I, I love that every week when you do that because then you can just pull the sweet potatoes cooked out of the fridge, throw them in a pan, kind of warm them up, brown them up a little in some oil, and then add the beans and the eggs and the avocado and some greens, and you have this amazing bowl of goodness. Or I liked it like last last night I threw the sweet potatoes um on top of a salad and and had yeah. already had like the vegetables ready for the salad which was, was which, which was yummy yeah and really think about too like creating a routine through especially like monday through friday mm -hmm. um i'm very much a routine oriented person and um you know for me it's like monday wednesday friday right now i'm strength training so mm -hmm. i do my like avocado toast with eggs and arugula and um the kimchi the 
sauerkraut sauerkraut stuff on there. That's like my breakfast, and then um, I have like a protein based lunch. Um, usually Mondays, it's like a tuna fish mixed up with some good stuff, um, and then salad for dinner kind of thing. And then we we found this chicken tortilla soup at Costco that we like and the kids like. So that's like my Wednesday lunch because it's got some protein and. You know, that's a little bit of meat. And in you there. could put that over rice or sweet potatoes and call it good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and creating like a, a weekly routine. And then Tuesday, Thursday's trainer workout, breakfast, I do a huge bowl of oatmeal with nut butter and some sort of fruit, um, apples or dates or something. Um, and then even a peanut butter toast right before heading out the door for our noon session um, and create like this routine. And then when we come back, that's when I hit the. Um, sweet potato, black bean, egg bowl as like my lunch um, before going back to the gym to coach. And so it's like every Monday through Friday, it's like I'm Pretty eating more routine. or less. Yeah, a routine. Like Tuesday, Thursday is like the same food. Monday, Wednesday, Friday is more or less the same food. And then the weekends were a little more flexible because we tend to, you know, eat out or, or something like that. But um, don't be afraid of a routine. It's find something that works for you that's easy to produce and you enjoy eating it and it's got everything yeah, you need nutritionally it. and replicate it. Yeah. So, um, so those are some good diet improvements. I suppose people can consider improving. Um, hydration is probably mm-hmm. the next, next big thing here. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say here other than that. Essentially we're all basically chronically dehydrated. Um, in my belief, um, you know, working out, obviously we sweat and get dehydrated, but even just breathing, mm-hmm. we are exhaling, you know, moisture and, and getting dehydrated, um, especially while we sleep. I mean, think about it, if you're sleeping eight to nine hours, you drink sometimes during the night water when you get up. I feel like I actually drink tons of water, but somehow I'm still thirsty in the middle of the night, so I have a water bottle yeah. on the nightstand. And, and I can't do that, but you, but that works for you. I, th- I think it's good good that you can do that. But Well, I have to get off up often to pee, so it's that's not the trade-off, ideal, yeah. but I'm also thirsty when I wake up. Yeah, so I think the kind of a hack, if you want, or a lifestyle improvement is start front-loading your day with water. And by doing so, you can taper off as you get closer to bedtime. So hopefully you can pee most of it out and eliminate nighttime disruptions. <laughs> but um, start the morning. You and I both start the morning with about... 30, 32 ounces of water, like literally like first thing. I mean, my, my morning routine is get out of bed, wash my face, brush my teeth, nasal rinse, those sinuses, then go downstairs and drink two 15, 16 ounce glasses of water. Um, and a lot, I'll tell people that and they're like, whoa, how do you do that? I mean, that's like a Nalgene bottle of water, but you get used to it. It was, it is difficult at first to get it down in your belly, but you get used to it. And it just starts you out like replenishing as you're waking up from being essentially dehydrated for eight to nine hours of nothing and breathing um, and sweating. We all sweat when we sleep too. So you're dehydrated, load it up, get it going. Um, And then think about surrounding lunch with at least one, if not two big glasses of water, like 15, 16 ounce glasses of water on you know, the front side and back side of lunch. Um, And then after that, think about you know, at least a glass before dinner and then whatever you're drinking during your training sessions. And then if you can add in like maybe a cup or two of tea throughout the day, I mean, black coffee counts as water. Um, it does have a diuretic effect, meaning it makes you pee, but it doesn't dehydrate you. Um, 
Well, if you're somebody who comes home from work and immediately grabs a, a beer or a glass of wine, one helpful thing you can consider is downing a, a 16 ounce glass of water first because maybe you're just really thirsty yeah and I, mean, same, I know we want the routine of the alcohol same for snacks if you're craving like some chips or something down the big glass of water because more than likely you're thirsty not hungry mm-hmm. and it we want to just reach for food rather than water so but yeah and if you like you were saying if you down the water oh, then right, you're yeah. less likely to drink as much or maybe not at all exactly and then you'll sleep better um so think of, really think about that conscious effort of water, front load the day, drink a lot in the morning, progressively less as you go. Um, and I think you'll see some improvements in your life. A um, couple more here. So daily planning was one. Um, this is really to, an attempt to lower stress levels, I mm-hmm. think, in general. It's as simple as you know knowing your day. I mean, most people that have a busy work lifestyle know, like, you know when your meetings are, your phone calls, your what you got to do, but also include your training plan, you know, what you're going to do for training that day Mm -hmm. know when and how you're going to get that accomplished ahead of time. Um, well, like number one, if you would pack the night before, which I did mm -hmm. not do because I had my girlfriend's party. And so, um, now I'll be scrambling to grab all of my items for the new trainer session Inevitably, and hopefully I will not forget something because I did on Tuesday, I forgot my heart rate strap and I, I know better. Like I, I will pack well if I pack the night before, and if I'm packing as I'm running out the door, I will probably forget something. Yeah, that that's a key one for sure. And same goes for your meals and kind yeah. of calorie intake across the day. Is have a plan because yeah. you'll, you'll eat better, you'll be better prepared, you won't get so hungry that you binge on junk, you know, all those sorts of things. And if you're just too busy, think about things like going to if if you're in the Denver area, go to Vitamin Cottage and they have a great refrigerator full of healthy food items you can grab. So I love these little plastic bento boxes that have stuff in them. And I, at least once a week I'll stop and grab that in a kombucha for some food because I didn't have time to plan. And that's okay too. You don't have to be like this amazing cook, everything, cook everything yourself. Like just be smart about it. Go to vitamin cottage or sprouts and grab what you need. Right. Right. Yeah. Planning ahead is key. I mean, I think on a weekly basis for me, it's like Friday nights, because I know I get up really early to hit the Saturday group ride in, in the winter. And so Friday night, I like to prep my bike. Mm-hmm. I make sure I have all my clothes laid out. Um, yeah, I fill up my water bottle. thing is charged. Yeah, everything's like ready to go. I bring my shoes and helmets inside um, so it's not in the garage mm-hmm. and super cold in the morning. So that's inside. They're warm and waiting for me. So I literally can get out of bed, do my whole meal thing and be ready to go. And I, I can, one, I sleep better because I'm not, oh crap, I forgot to, my jersey's dirty or whatever, my gloves that I want, um, I have it all ready. Um, and then it's just easier in the morning and I get out the door on time and works better. So just thinking ahead, planning ahead is key. Um, and I think the last one we'll hit on here is what sort of called life balance, um, which is, what would you say, essentially recognizing that Everything in our lives creates some form of stress. And mm-hmm. stress can be positive. It can be happy things, activities. It can be negative um, that we're more familiar with. But everything we do creates a layer of stress. And keeping those in check and balanced, um, I think, is Yeah, and is I key. struggle with this one because I'm a go, go, go type of, of gal. I get that from my mom. She's just high energy. Yeah. And my, I have four sisters, and we all laugh about this. Like, we don't know how to sit down and relax. 
but I am happy when I'm moving. So having balance in my, my day can be a little bit, bit of a struggle for me. Um, for example, yesterday I had to wake up at five and coach classes and then do my own workout and coach some more classes. And then I decided to go play pickleball. And, um, then I was like exhausted after that. So I, it's like the pickleball is not inherently bad in itself, but it was probably too much stress for that day. Right. Right. So just recognizing that and making sure you don't overload your day and your week, um, is key. And there's that give and take, like, you know, when you're maybe not training as much, you know, give up some of the training time, add in the pickleball time or the family time or whatever. Right. And then likewise, when it's time to focus in and get some good training in, you're gonna have to give up something else in your life and being able to do that, um, can be challenging. And I think lastly, it's like, and for parents, it's like, you also want to be, um, being a good parent means being involved and doing lots of things for your kids, depending on how old they are. But even older kids need a lot of help. But it's like, don't make your whole life about helping them, I guess. Yeah, make sure I, you leave I, your time. I to, feel very strongly about train. that. Yeah. Like, you are your own person still. And you following your passions and your goals and your dreams is being a good role model for your children. Absolutely. Yeah. Demonstrate to them that like your existence isn't just to make sure they get out the door to school on time, but it's you've got your own goals and your own things and you're a role model of like this is how you set goals and pursue goals and live a healthy, active lifestyle. And I think that's really critical too. Um, and if you're lucky, the kids will join you in some <laughs> aspect of it. Um, and uh, it makes it really fun. So, well, good. That was a big, long list of stuff. But hopefully, you know, these things will give you some little takeaway to help improve your lifestyle and ultimately your, your performance as a cyclist. That's the goal of our uh, show here anyway. Um, but, yeah, we'd love to hear any additional tips or advice or things from any of you, too. Send send us stuff to our forum, um, endurance.sessionsix.com forward slash forum, or send us emails, with questions, but also if you have cool ideas or tips to share and, you know, maybe we'll share them on the next couple of episodes with people as well. Um, we'll go with that. So Cody at session com or Kathy at session com. All the links and things are in the show notes. Um, and then we'll wrap it up here. Lastly, as always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google podcasts and reviews and ratings on particularly on the iTunes, the Apple podcast, um, piece would be huge. We're, we're gaining some ratings. you got a really great positive. Uh, oh, you should check fun. it out. I meant to tell you, um, someone said they met you and you're a real badass and all this stuff. So, oh, that's nice. um, check it out. But yeah, we would, would love to get five star ratings. If there's, if you don't think we deserve five, let us know what we can do better to, to get there. And then reviews are always great. We enjoy reading them. Um, and you know, want to kind of build that up over time. So, and lastly, just a reminder, uh, go check out the Corey kit store and, and get yourself a new kit for the, yeah. just tell your spouse that you've picked your own Christmas present out. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Cause I know sometimes that's tricky for Christmas. Yeah. So. The budgeting. Yeah. Get in there. December or not 15th. even budgeting, like knowing what to buy the other person. Okay. So go right. tell your partner. I, I know what I want for Christmas. I, I, I want yeah. this kit and uh, it'll show up probably mid February, but yeah, the, the store closes on the 15th and then, um, they start making stuff and, uh, starts showing up in February. So Yeah, get in there and get some stuff. Um, All right, that was a good one. We'll uh, have a great weekend, and we'll, I guess, talk to you guys next week. Yeah, take care. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.